1: Today I'm gonna share with you five things that I wish that I knew before I got started investing in the stock market. I've been investing in stocks for over 10 years now and spent several years before that first investing in mutual funds and there's a lot that I've learned during that time. I've had some great successes, I've made a lot of money from the stock market. It's my favorite way to invest my money. I love it, but I've also lost some money as we all do when you're investing for long enough and taking certain risks. I've lost some money and I've had some painful lessons along the way. And I've learned from that, I've become a much more experienced investor, and I thought, why not create a video to share with you guys some of the key things that I've learned, share with you guys things that I wish that I knew before I got started, because I know many of you guys are brand new beginners just getting started, or maybe you're more intermediate, more advanced in the market, Um, but either way, I think there's a lot of value just learning from other people's experiences, because ultimately, my experience can hopefully help you become more of an experienced investor and help you become more prosperous in the market. So with that being said, let's dive in. The first mistake and thing that I wish that I knew before I got started was to do my research. The mistake was not doing my research and breaking one of the cardinal rules of investing, which is to always invest in what you know. Invest in what you know. See, for me, um, about 10 years ago when I started having a lot of cash flow from my business, my business, has been what's consumed most of my time and I've generated a lot of money from it in the position of just making a ton of money and not really knowing what to do with it, which is kind of where I was about 10 years ago. It's a great quality problem to have, I don't complain about that, Um, but you know, typically you wanna save your money and have a certain percent or a certain amount of money that's put aside for an emergency that you never touch and that's just kind of sitting in your bank and savings account. But beyond that, when you have money just sitting around, and it's not making you money, then that was something that created some pressure on me to do something with it. And so I'd have my money in a savings account, but you're really not getting much from that. It's not gonna match inflation. And so you're really sometimes losing money just by having your money sit there. And so I was looking for ways to invest my money, and I didn't wanna spend that much time investing because my business was consuming the majority of my time and is where I can make the most money. Um, So instead what I did was I decided to um, sign up for this newsletter. So a newsletter you pay every month and there's more experienced investors that they basically tell you what to buy. And they share you know what they're buying and what opportunities that they see in the market. And so for me, because I didn't have the time, which was an excuse and a bit of a limiting belief that I had to do my research, I just outsourced that to other people and trusted these other investors that would just tell me where I should invest my money. And that was a mistake. <laughs> now I didn't make money overall from that, but. There were, be- there were better investments, let's say I could have made, and there were some investments that I lost some money on. And um, so basically, they were sharing investments, and I was living in Canada at the time and investing in the Toronto Stock Exchange. And in Canada, there's a lot of companies that are small and mid cap companies that there's not much information about. They're not in the media. And so I was investing in these companies, not really doing my research, not doing my due diligence, not even really understanding the businesses, but just really buying them because these more experienced investors. We're saying, hey, you should buy this, or this is what we're buying, and I just kind of blindly trusted them because I didn't want to spend the time doing the research. That was a mistake, and I share this with you guys because there are a lot of there's a lot of media that's out there in the investing world. If you go to Yahoo Finance, or if you go to YouTube, or Google, or blogs, there's all these different investors and experts that are sharing what to buy and you know what other people are buying. This is what Warren Buffett is buying. This is what Kathy Woods is buying. This is what Charlie Munger is buying. And it's very easy to get caught up in all these other investors and what they're doing and sometimes just out of laziness, for me at least I have to admit, where you just kinda like, oh, that's what Warren Buffett invests in, I'm just gonna invest in that. But I wasn't doing my research. I wasn't taking on that responsibility of just really making sure that I understand what I'm investing in. And so part of the mistake that I made was not knowing when to sell some of these investments Um, because I didn't really understand the business and what the strategy and the game plan was. So what I wish that I knew and what I kinda do now is number one is I primarily try to invest my money in index funds because I've learned that picking individual stocks is very challenging and I'll share with you guys some of the other things I wish I knew when it came to that. Very challenging and also consumes a lot of time to manage and keep up to date with that whereas investing in index funds I can invest in one stock that owns many different companies in Canada, in the US economy, in any part of the world. And I can get diversification from that. I don't have all my eggs in one basket. And more importantly, I can be more of a passive investor. I don't have to actively check and, and, and you know, know when to sell it and, and kind of be involved in all of that as you would by picking individual companies but also making sure that if there is great coaching or great advice or other people do share what to buy or what they're investing in, to not take that at gospel. Don't just blindly listen to someone else, including you guys. I share with you guys some of my investments. Doesn't mean that you should buy them and even the timing of when to buy those investments matters as well. But making sure that I understand the investment and I do my research, that's an important thing that I wish that I knew that I'd like to pass on to you guys. So that's why primarily I invest in index funds and if it is individual companies, they're usually large cap and not the mid and small cap because the mid and small cap, even though there could be greater growth potential from them, it could be also be very difficult to keep up to date with what's going on. And not unless you have the time to dedicate to that, then, you know, sticking with large cap, you know, or index funds, I think is the better way to go. So that's really shaped my investing philosophy and strategy. And even knowing that a lot of the individual stocks I buy, I might only hold it for a period of time, but ultimately I wanna move that money into index funds, which are really the only investments that I can confidently say I'll probably hold forever, hold for life, because they're so diversified and I don't really, they're, they're kinda of based on a sector, sector or the economy, which is something that typically always goes up long term. That's the first one, okay? The second one is I wish that I knew and understood short-term volatility in the market and the emotions involved in investing. So what do I mean by that? Investing in the short term, the market, is not really based, whether it goes up and down, based on the value of a company. The market is shaped in the short term by human emotion. See, people they sell oftentimes when they're panicking, when there's fear involved, when there's uncertainty or the unknown. Investors hate that. And so oftentimes investors will sell and the market can go down, just based on human emotion, not based on any fundamental change in the business itself. Or often the market goes up based on emotion of greed, of other investors seeing something go up and people are diving in, they wanna take advantage of the opportunity, or it's just a trending investment, or people are just kinda of inflating the value of it as we've seen with you know, Reddit investors and things of that nature. And so understanding the volatility in the short term is really key because if you're an investor and you are reacting to that emotion and you're getting caught up in it, then it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the ass. And so that's why I'm more of a long-term investor, and ideally I try to avoid I, I try to avoid having any emotion associated to my investments, at least in the short term, because I know now it's gonna go up and down. You know, it's just purely speculation in the short term, and that's why a lot of you know, established long-term investors look at traders as somewhat gambling because they don't really know whether investment's gonna go up and down in the short term. It's very risky to, to try to basically make those speculative um, you know, guesses of when to buy and when to sell. And so long-term, if you know that it's gonna be volatile in the short-term but you're sticking with your investment long-term, then you don't need to worry as much about the ups and downs in the short-term. See, if you're going to freak out when you log into your investment account and you're going to see that your stocks, your investments dropped a certain percent and you're going to get affected by that and that might even encourage you to sell based on that because you don't want to lose the rest of your money, that's not good. you got to be very wary of that. you got to be careful when it comes to that. At the same time, if you log into your account and your investments are up and you're happy and celebrating that, you got to be careful not to get too high just as you don't get too low. Because one day your investments can go up a certain percent and they can go down you know, a certain percent. It's always going it's always, it's always to go up and down in the short term. So um, there's a great quote by Benjamin Graham. He's uh, Warren Buffett's mentor. He wrote the book, The Intelligent Investor. And he said that in the short term, the stock market is a voting machine. Because often people vote and you know, they buy and sell just based on what's popular and what's not. But in the long term, it's a weighing machine. Okay, it's a weighing machine, and that's really when the value of the company really matters most. Because in the short term, there's a lot of companies that might be inflated in value; they might be overvalued just because it's a hot, it's a hot, uh, it's a hot topic. You know, it's a hot uh, stock that everyone's talking about, and all you know, people when they see Kathy Woods or Warren Buffett invest, and all these other people invest, and the value of it can go up. It's not the actual value of that company. It's just been inflated or affected based on emotion. So when you understand that and you don't get caught up in the short term, which is, again, I think another reason why more passive investing is more ideal for most people in index funds, because you don't need to worry as much, to get caught up in that. But I think that's, that's a key thing that I've learned is just to remove my emotion from it. Don't get caught up in the short term. Focus on the long term. As long as the trend is going up, then you're good. But in the short term, up and down, don't get too high, don't get too low. Look at three years from now, five years, ten years from now. That's really how you want to measure the return of your investments. The third thing that I wish that I knew, and kind of a mistake that I made as well, is to have patience. Patience. To be a patient investor. And that's something that can be challenging to learn, because I think it's only learned over time when you gain more wisdom and more experience. Um, See... Going back to that situation that I described where I had all this money just kind of sitting around, um, sometimes with a lot of people when they have money put aside and you feel this pressure to invest it because it's not doing anything for you. You feel like you're losing money just by having your money sit there in your bank account and it's not producing, it's not appreciating in value. And so you feel this pressure to to put that money to work. And I think at times for me along my journey, I kind of force things a little bit too much based on you know, just having this money and just feeling like I gotta do something with it and not being patient as much as I could. And so my approach now is I think a few different things and I'll kind of give you an example of a time where being patient really paid off for me. Um, so for example, um, in 2019 in December, there's a video put up on YouTube and you guys can look it up, maybe I'll share a screenshot of it. But the topic of the video was what I'm doing to prepare for the 2020 crash. Now, I didn't know that there'd be a pandemic and that a few months after that, you know, that was in December, then the market crashed in March of 2020. I didn't know that it was gonna crash based on a pandemic. Um, But I did know that there would be a crash, there would be a recession that is inevitably gonna occur because I started to understand and learn about the cycles of the stock market. So one thing that I wish I knew early on and I know now is that typically every year there's a correction in the market where the market drops up to 10%. That's something that every year, you know, give or take um, maybe a few months, has always typically occurred in the market. And then about every 10 years, if you look back over history, there's always been some sort of recession or a crash of 10% or more. And so that was something, the last one was 2007, 2008. So I knew that we were due for one, and there was a lot of you know people talking about a crash that would be coming. You know, I'm a fan of Ray Dalio, one of the greatest investors. He's um, the uh, CEO of Bridgewater, which is one of the top, I think, the top hedge fund in the world. And uh, he's got a great video out on just the economic machine and just how the economy works. I'll so maybe a link to it's on YouTube, but it really kind of shows how we're due for a crash. Uh, but nonetheless, I. Because I was anticipating a crash, and I view a crash as opportunity because it's an opportunity to buy stocks of these great companies at a discount. And so I had the patience to hold on to a lot of cash to wait for an opportunity to arise. But at the same time, you know, I still wanted to put some of that money to work. I don't, you don't want to just kind of sit and wait and wait and wait because you also might miss out on some of the gains. So I was still investing a bit, but I was really holding the bulk of my cash for a crash. And so, sure enough, the market did crash in March and I was ready. I was patient and was able to take advantage of that opportunity. I had over a million dollars in cash that I was able to invest and I went on a shopping spree. I bought a lot of these companies, including ETS, but a lot of individual stocks, these large cap companies that were on sale because I knew that eventually things were going to recover. And, you know, the market, you know, and everyone, uh, there's a great quote by Warren Buffett that when people are fearful, you should be greedy and when people are greedy you should be fearful. And so when people are fearful during a pandemic and they're selling their investments and they're, you know, not sure what's going to happen, that's an opportunity for you to be greedy. And so that's what I was. I was greedy during that time. I made some great investments and they've all paid off since as uh, you know the market recovers and always does. And so um that was an example of being patient and where it really served me well and I did really well from that. But at the same time, there are some other instances where you know it is key to be patient and, and just really not trying to force things as an investor. So let me give you another example of kind of how I do things. Let's say there's a certain amount of money that I want to invest in a stock, and there's a certain amount of a position that I want to have in that stock. Uh, an example of this would be Coinbase. So Coinbase recently went public. It's, uh, basically a, uh, a website and a platform for buying and selling cryptocurrency. They're the market leader. And I wanted to get some other exposure to the cryptocurrency market besides just Bitcoin and other altcoins. And so I wanted to invest in Coinbase, but there's a lot of talk of it being overvalued as typically IPOs are. There's a lot of attention and buzz around it. So they're usually overvalued. And you know, I had $20,000 that I wanna put into it, but I'm not gonna put all $20,000 into that investment right when it goes public, right on that first day. So instead, I have the patience to build my position up over time. And so what I did is, uh, when it went public, I put about $2,000 in, okay? 2,000 of my 20,000 that I wanted to put in. And then sure enough, it dropped. Now, whether you know, this Coinbase stock was gonna go up or down, I had no idea, nobody really knows. But it ended up going down. And so it went down and a week or two later I decided, okay, opportunity for me to build up my position. It's a good thing I didn't put all 20,000 in at once because then I'd really be down. I only put two grand in. So now I can buy and build up my position. So sure enough, it went down. So I put another thousand dollars in, continue to go down another thousand, another two thousand dollars. And I've been slowly building that position and, you know, until I can start to see when it kind of, stabilizes a little bit, um, which can take some time to be able to look at the charts and the history of that investment. And so that's an example of having some patience. Now, of course, I could have put that 20K in and maybe it went up and I could have looked really good, you know, or perhaps I could put that money, you know, 2000 in, and it goes up and then I'm buying more, you know, as it's going up and I missed out on that. You don't really know. And that's part of the risk as an investor. But for me, I'm more comfortable with being patient. I think that's paid off for me a lot more and just slowly building up my position and doing what is called dollar cost averaging, which is you consistently put in a certain amount. You could do this with any investment that you want every month or every week or whenever it is, whether it's up or down, it doesn't matter. But if you just consistently put in, you're, it kind of evens itself out. Sometimes you buy when it's up, sometimes when it's down, but that's been more of a patient approach of how I build up my positions with my investments. So that's something that I've learned a lot from is having that patience and um, you know, just trying to you know, not rush things and again, not get caught up in the emotion of investing with chime secure credit card you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments get started at chime.com slash build the chime credit builder visa credit card is issued by Bancorp bank na or stride bank na members of fdic results may vary see chime.com for details terms and conditions apply go to chime.com disclosures for details save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply. See site for details. Number four is knowing when to sell and being okay with taking a loss. Now, when I first got started investing, I never wanted to sell anything (laughs) You know, my investing was all for long-term and I didn't really need to sell any of my investments either because I didn't need the money. I had money coming in from, uh, from my business. And so um, I've learned when you're an investor, uh, you only really lose or make money when you sell. And so if you invest in something and it goes down, you didn't lose that money. It's only when you sell that, that you have a realized loss. And so, uh, and the same thing when it goes up, You haven't made that money until you've actually sold and you have a realized gain on that. And so for me, at first, I never wanted to sell anything. And I always had you know, just thinking, okay, if it does go down, you only lose when you sell. So I'm just going to wait it out until eventually it recovers. Now, the problem with that and what I've learned over time is that there are certain investments that even though they might recover over time, it might take so long that you by waiting and still having equity in that investment by you waiting for it eventually to recover, there's an opportunity cost there that you're missing out on. And so, for example, let's take 20000 $20, dollars. Let's say I put that into a stock and I lose ten thousand dollars. Now I still got ten thousand dollars that's left and remaining as equity, but I've lost ten k. And so, you know, in the past I just think, okay, well I'm just going to be patient. I'm just going to wait for it to eventually recover. And sure enough, most you Know index funds or even, um, you know, large cap companies they typically always recover and you can make money on them over long term. It's just more of a matter of how much of a return you're getting here versus in other places. And so, with that ten thousand dollars I still have left, I could just wait and wait and wait, but maybe it's the stock is depressed and stagnant and it just might, you know, slowly recover over time. It might take five or ten years to make that other ten grand back, it might only just you know, recover two, three percent a year. Instead, the way I look at it now is being okay with potentially taking a loss if there's a better opportunity where I could take that money and put it into where I could get my money back a lot faster. So for example, with this one investment, let's say I've lost 10K, I could wait it out and maybe it takes 10 years for me to recover that. Or instead, I could take my 10K that I have remaining, take that loss and accept that, but I could put that 10K into a better investment, one like the S&P 500, which historically returns nine to 10% a year. So I feel pretty good about that. Maybe I can get even more than 10% based on the economic recovery. And it's more diversified and there's less risk in, in losing that money. But I can put it there, and it can recover and I can recoup back that 10K a lot faster by changing my approach. And so being okay to take a loss and really understanding opportunity costs is a really a key thing that I factor in when, I, when it comes to investing. So it doesn't feel good to lose money. I don't like losing money, but you have to look at the big picture of your portfolio. For me, my portfolio has always been up and it's done incredibly well, but there have been some losses and there's a certain point you gotta be okay with cutting ties with that because you can take that money and put it to use in some other way that can at least get you your money back and you know appreciate more over time. So that's something that I've learned um, over time is to really factor in, even with certain investments that make me money, because to be honest with you, almost all the large cap stocks that I invest in make money if you just hold it long enough over time, But it's really determining what return did you get from this investment versus is there a better opportunity you could've put it into instead. And so I'm often weighing that a lot more now rather than just celebrating any investment that makes money because I look at the opportunity cost, maybe there's something better, maybe there's a better investment I could've invested in that I would've missed out on if I didn't put my money into. So that's more of my approach now is being okay to take a loss, knowing when to sell, and having a strategy around each of my investments in that way, but learn from your losses, and 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 don't be so attached to just holding on to something if it doesn't make sense to. The fifth thing that I wished I knew before I got started, and one of the key mistakes, was really having less investments and a more simplified portfolio. Um, so here's what I mean by this. Um, I a mistake that I say that I've made is investing in too many stocks, too many companies, and especially during the pandemic when everything was, you know, everything crashed. I just went on a shopping spree and bought a lot of companies I wouldn't normally buy. So for example, I bought the airlines, I bought, uh, you know, the bank stocks. I bought a lot of companies that I wouldn't typically invest in and buy, but really just did because they were on sale. And going back to what I shared with you before with the newsletter that I follow where I'm just kind of buying a lot of different things. Now, the problem with having so many different stocks and so many different investments is that it's very difficult to manage all of them and keep up to date with them because each of those investments, to be, to be a great investor, you have to pay attention to what's happening because there are certain circumstances, even though you might think that you're gonna hold the stock forever, there are certain circumstances where you might need to sell or you might need to pivot. And the only way you really know is you have to be on top of what's going on with that company. And so usually with the, the biggest large cap companies that are on the market, there's usually news and media attention around them. And just every day for me, at least, kind of staying up to date with what's going on with my investments has been important because if there are certain news that occurs and your investment drops, you, know, you want to be able to pivot out of that if you need to. So an example of this would be AT&T. Uh, so AT&T is... Uh, been known as a high dividend paying stock. It's a staple for a lot of retirees because it's a great income investment, pays a great dividends. And um, what happened was recently, AT&T decided to change their business and they're cutting their dividend. So their dividend is significantly a lot less than what it was before, which is not good for people that depended on that money as you know retirees and they need that money and you know they're, that's why they're holding that company for. And so that's an example of you have an investment and the company could change their approach. They can change how they want to do their business. There could be certain events that occur that are government-related, political. There's a lot of things that can happen that can affect your investment that if you have so many investments, so many stocks, it's hard to keep up with that. And so I've learned now that less is more um, you know, to, to kind of trim down my portfolio and to rebalance it. So there's a lot of investments that I've been selling and just kind of moving, you know, a lot of these individual companies I don't want to stay up to date with. And I sell and I move some of that money into index funds, which are more passive investments. And I still invest in large cap and individual companies, but this has become a lot less over time. And to be honest, at the time of this, I still have way too many investments in stocks. So I do need to rebalance things. And so I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. And the other reason why this matters is when you have so many investments, especially if you're investing in dividend paying stocks, um, you're kind of you, you, one thing to be aware of if you want your money to compound and they're dividend paying stocks, you know, one thing I've always recommended and what I do is to have your investment account set up on what is known as a DRIP. A DRIP is a dividend reinvestment plan. That means that whatever dividends get paid out, that automatically the money that gets paid out every quarter will repurchase shares of that company. But the problem is that if you have so many investments and your investments are all, you know, you've kind of diluted your money into many different things. The problem is if you don't have enough money in some of these dividend paying stocks, when they do their payout, every, you know, their distributions every quarter of their dividends, if the dividend amount that you're receiving is not enough to repurchase the share, Then you're not really going to have your money compound in that investment as much. It's just going to be sitting in your account and then you're going to have to manually invest it yourself, which is not easy to do. So you don't get to take advantage of the drip that you've set up, not unless you have enough money that's in some of these dividend paying stocks. So for example, let's say that the, you know, let's say that you get paid out every quarter, this one stock, $30. Okay, $30 is the quarterly dividend. But the share price of the stock is $50. Well, if you get paid out $30 every quarter and you have your account on a drip, it won't be able to repurchase that because it's $50 and you only got paid out $30. And so you're missing out on some of the compounding that can take effect there, where you know, if you had less investments and maybe more built up in that position of that dividend stock, then you get more of a payout. You get paid more than $50, and then it can at least repurchase that the, you know, repurchase that share repurchase those shares and then it can compound a lot more. So that's kind of another reason too to keep in mind uh, that I wish that I knew because I want my investments to compound. I want my dividends to pay out and really just repurchase those investments so that they can grow and I can accumulate more shares over time. So that was another important thing and another reason to simplify your portfolio. There are some invest- investors uh, that might say you know, you should only own you know 10 stocks, 15 stocks, for me, I own a lot more still personally, and I, I don't mind having that diversification, but you gotta decide how much you can realistically manage and try not to get carried too carried away and just jumping into one opportunity after the next, after the next. Uh, sometimes you have to have some discipline and just stick with some of the investments you have and just try to build up your positions there rather than always chasing the, the latest headline or the latest stock that's become public or whatever it might be. So. These are some of the most important things that I've learned, things that I wish that I knew before I got started. Uh, I think they're really valuable lessons for any investor. And of course, you've got to learn on your own journey, your own experience. That's the only way that you really gain wisdom. They say that you know, success is created by good judgment, you making good decisions. How do you make good decisions is through experience. Experience helps you know what's a good and what's a bad decision. But what allows you to gain experience is poor judgment. See, by making mistakes and yes, even losing some money, which everybody does if you're investing long enough in the market. If you learn from it, you gain that experience, and then you can make better judgment in the future. And that's really what I want to share with you guys today is that we are going to make mistakes. Don't let that stop you. Start more conservative if you need to as an investor, maybe in index funds before individual companies. But don't let your fear of loss stop you because, you know, my opinion, not investing, is a huge mistake because you're missing out on what you could be making and having your money compound and grow over the long term. So um, the risk is worth it overall, um, but there are there is a more of a conservative approach that you can start with, especially with the vanguard index funds that i've recommended in previous videos i'll link to that video uh, below for you guys if you want to check it out on project life mastery because it's a great place to start as an investor with these index funds that i described and i break them down and explain more about what they are in the video i put together for you guys so i want to encourage you to check that out if you're brand new i've got some other uh, videos here on my channel on my, on my podcast that walk you through some of those steps of investing and if you are looking to set up your brokerage account, you don't have one set up yet so that you can buy and sell stocks. Um, uh, there's a great one called Webull, which is an investing app. Uh, Webull is the company, but right now they have a pr- promotion where you can actually get two free stocks for setting up your account and making your first deposit, of I think $100. So it's a great way to start to at least get two free stocks. Um, I think that's a pretty cool promotion that's going on. So I'll link them below, but if you're listening to this, you can go to www.project lifemastery.com slash webull w-e-b-u-l-l check them out um it's a great way to get uh, to get started investing and to get two free stocks but i wish you well on your investing journey i really hope that my experience and my lessons can help you prosper and create the financial freedom that you really desire if you enjoyed this video please give it a thumbs up i appreciate your support leave a comment below share anything that you've learned or some valuable lessons as an investor And of course, subscribe here on Project Life Mastery for more content on investing, personal development, business, success, and so much more. Thank you, God bless you, and I'll see you again soon.
0: Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value,